We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Saturday night after a 27-point Timberwolves loss to the Los Angeles Clippers at Staples Center. Uh, This weekend's back-to-back at Staples was a tale of, of course, very different games. Uh, This year, I'm only recording shows after the second game of back-to-back. So, of course, it worked out that it was no show after the 24-point win over the Lakers on Friday and now a show tonight that I have to do after a 27-point loss to the Clippers, a game that just wasn't even close, even even by halftime. I'm I'm sitting there just, just watching the win on Friday thinking, of course. I, I started doing these these post-game podcasts uh, last season after, after every game. So I did 72 games, all 72 games last season, recording right afterwards. And then 10, uh, the first 10 games this season, doing after every single game. So it's 82 games, and I think they've won something like 29 of those those games. So naturally, the first one that I don't do is a blowout win over the Lakers. But but here we are. We'll still do a show off of this game. And I kind of want to just start by by taking the lay of the land, I guess, here. After the, the first 12 games of the season, the Wolves are obviously... Four and eight now uh, in the league-wide standings. Only five teams have a worse record than the Wolves do. That's Houston, New Orleans, Orlando, Detroit, and Atlanta. Uh, which is interesting because the only real surprise there, right, is is Atlanta at four and nine. And generally speaking, the teams that have been really bad this season are the teams you know we came into the year thinking would be really bad, right? Houston, New Orleans, Orlando, Detroit, like they. They weren't going to be good and haven't been good. So the question I have is, you know, do the Wolves fit that mold? And, and the case to, the case against it is that, you know, that case says that the Wolves are, they started the season kind of like, oh, a fringe playoff contender. Like, look at October. Wolves started started three and one, lost that last game, was close to Denver three and two. You're, you're kind of convincing yourselves that the, the Wolves are, not naively, but it, you know, the numbers checked out, right? The the Wolves were second in the NBA in defensive rating in October through those first five games. We're like, wow, who you know who would have expected that? They were they were second in defense. 
and 23rd on offense in those five games. The idea was, yeah, sure, the defense will probably come down some, but that they were going to start making their threes a little bit on offense so that the offense would come up a little bit. Well, that has not at all happened since the calendar turned to November. The offense has stayed exactly the same in November. They, again, rank 23rd on offense, but they've fallen from second in defense down to 27th in defense this month. And that's even removing garbage time. The defense has just gotten way worse, and the offense has stayed the same because that shooting has not really at all improved. They were shooting 32.9% from three in October and are shooting 33.8% from three in November. Right now, it's hard to not look at the Wolves and think, you know, this is the feature and that the beginning of the season was the bug. Those first three games against Houston and New Orleans, you know, (laughs) I mean, Houston's 1-11, New Orleans is 2-12, and and one of those wins is against the Wolves. I I do think the Milwaukee win was important and mattered, but the longer the season goes on, it's clear that Milwaukee is not the same team they were last year in large part due to the injuries they've had. They're they're 6-7 and on the season. Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday did not play in that game against the Wolves. I mean, I'm the guy who who laughed on here about the Vegas over-unders being too low. So I don't I'm not trying to come on here and say I, I told you so I saw any of this. I thought that those expectations set by Vegas were unrealistic expectations, but it's hard to not sit here 12 games into this season and say, you know, that you know, we, we have to recalibrate expectations for this team. I mean, we do we just do. And that's not to say that those expectations can't change again. You know, they could rattle off a different stretch of play over the next two weeks, and then we have to readjust the expectations again. But I think it would be naive to say right now that this team is the way they're playing, even in the mix for the play-in in the Western Conference. They're a team that too often out there is performing and not really competing. That's that's how Chris Finch put it after the game, and I think that's, I think that's on point. Here's Finch after the game explaining the nature of of this loss in LA tonight. You mentioned this before, Chris, you know, this, this team sometimes has trouble handling its own success sometimes. Do you think this was a case of, of that tonight after a, an emotional win last night? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be that. It could be our first backpack of the season. It could be just not ready to play for whatever reasons, you know. Um, we were out there performing, not really competing. Chris, I mean, it's one thing to lose a game, but to, to do it this way in this fashion is that what kind of doubles down i guess on on the disappointment not answer the bell uh yeah i mean for sure i mean just, i didn't think that we were extremely competitive at all tonight you know um and and uh then when we got down we just tried to hit home run plays and home run plays and home run plays and they just kept running it back down our throats so. how do you dress that with the guys when you see that um well, we just talked about it a little bit in the locker room, but we just got to get back to like executing some stuff. You know, just, things just broke down into kind of playground ball. I like to take a segment here to talk a little bit about Chris Finch because I had this thought the other day, just kind of about the weight of these losses. I was probably thinking about it in the midst of that six-game losing streak, but I, I think this losing is going to have is having a bit of a grading impact on Finch's perception. I mean, outside of Ant, right? Entering the season, Finch was the 
was the one person associated with this organization that had a clearly high Q rating amidst the fan base. And I'm, I'm not saying any of this to excuse Finch from the slow start because he definitely holds some blame, but the thought I had was that this broken roster is going to really begin to start tarnishing Finch's reputation or perception. With, with Just with an incom- incompetently put together roster, I'm not sure how much Finch can even do with this roster. Again, yes, he could be doing more. I think the rotations have not been a strength. Uh, the whole 11-man rotation thing aged pretty poorly. The new defensive scheme is kind of proving to be a little audacious. Uh, offensively, this group definitely doesn't have a synergy, particularly amidst Cat, D'Lo, and Ant. I mean, a lot of that, yes, that's coaching. But you have to, you have to wonder how much even perfect coaching would do with this roster construction. And if the answer is isn't much, then we're we're approaching a different a difficult collision here between a team that had playoff or play in expectations. It doesn't have the pieces in place to get there. I mean what happens if this team goes four and ten over their next 14 games? Well you'd be you'd be eight and eighteen at that point. Well how does that reflect on Finch? You know, if I'm Sasha Gupta, there's there's always been an urgency to change this roster. But if this team can't play 500 ball as currently constructed, if we've learned that, then that urgency to make a move has to go up. But there's also the problem of this not being a time in the league calendar when moves happen. Really, the only moves that have been made this early in the season over the past few years are right, Jimmy Butler to Philadelphia and James Harden to Brooklyn. Which means the only move to make now, if you do feel you need to make a move, is Ben Simmons, which is obviously of that same Butler-Harden mold. And that's, of course, its whole own can of worms. I'm not even sitting here saying I think that is the right or the wrong move or, or anything that's literally a can of worms. I'm just saying that pretty much is the only roster construction change you can make right now. But it's also just it's also just starting to feel like this team is on its way to pretty dire territory. Again, this could all be reactive. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here after a 27 point loss. You know, would it surprise me if the Wolves win three of the next five? No, that's that's certainly possible. What I'm just saying is, is it probable? I mean, and maybe it is. Their their upcoming schedule is still somehow pretty easy. Their next four games are at home. Phoenix, Sacramento, San Antonio, Memphis. I mean, that's a tough one against Phoenix, but not exactly murderer's row after that. And then after those four, they go to New Orleans, who almost literally can only beat the Wolves right now. Again, they're 2-12 and on the season. I I, I think as I talk to this, it's not time to get desperate. But maybe it's time to start thinking about what getting desperate might look like. All I'm saying for sure is it's time to recalibrate expectations for this team. That's reasonable. But public perception often isn't reasonable. It doesn't often recalibrate. You were supposed to be a playoff team. You're not. And with that, you know, pressure will continue to mount if the losses continue to pile up. And that... That will reflect poorly on the previously 
seemingly unassailable Chris Finch. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back to talk some more specifics from tonight's game and then look ahead to Phoenix. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back talking about the Wolves' 27-point loss to the Clippers on Saturday night. To be honest, there isn't a ton to break down from this one, really. Like I was saying, the game was pretty much out of hand before halftime. But the one thing that really stood out tonight was the Clippers again taking Cat out of the game. It's the third time this season that they've done this. Cat finished the night with eight points. And that's not because he was in foul trouble or anything like that. He played close to his full complement of minutes, and he just finished with 11 total shot attempts, and only three of them went in. He missed all five of his threes, and he was three of six from two-point range. Just a non-factor the whole night. And I think the concerning part here is that the Clippers have now kind of laid out the book on Cat. You know, we talked about this after the other two losses to the Clippers, but the plan was again clear. Put Batum on Cat, let Zubats play free safety, ignoring Vanderbilt, whoever he's guarding, so he can kind of just stay around the rim and double-team Cat if he needs to, or just be an extra kind of helping body. He was, I was thinking about it, as, as Jim Peterson was saying on the broadcast, he goes, it feels like it feels like the Clippers have six guys and the Wolves have five. Well, the reason is because Zubats is basically just an extra guy on defense. What, what I've been thinking about a lot lately is, you know, now most teams are doing this to Cat, is that, this plan of guarding Cat with a Ford is exactly what Houston did to Towns in that playoff series. They had P.J. Tucker or even James Harden guard Cat on the block and just not let him get deep post position. And then if Cat did get the post touch, right? Remember how that worked? They would aggressively send the double team from the baseline and they would force Cat to be a passer. He obviously really struggled in that playoff series, but it hasn't really been a tactic to this degree up until this season because it just seemed like such a bold move right like sure teams saw that work but over the years very few teams have been like well you know we could do that but we have this seven foot center we're just going to put him on cat but now you know we've seen this work three times with the clippers and the magic remember they did it too to beat the wolves put the forward on cat bring the double if he gets the post touch Again, a lot of this is just made worse by how the big, like, Zubats can just sort of linger around the rim because 
he could do that because he doesn't feel pressure to guard Vanderbilt or Kogi or McDaniels or whoever. And from that, tonight we saw another negative externality that we haven't been seeing before. The Wolves tonight did not endlessly try to post up Cat like they did in the first two games against the Clippers. They tried to kind of space him out and take advantage elsewhere. The main advantage they tried to take take was, was having Edwards go downhill attacking the rim, and he did it a lot. It was as a as assertive attacking as Edwards has been this season. But the Zubats problem lingered there too. Cat would space to the three-point line so as to provide that space for Ant to attack, but he's being guarded by Batum. So Zubats wasn't guarding him, and so he's in the lane. Zubats was still just lingering around the paint, half guarding Vanderbilt or McDaniels. So when Ant went downhill, even if he got past his man, Zubats was there waiting for him every time. If you watched the game, you saw it. I mean, Ant had a couple of nice finishes through it, but it was tough to get through there. I mean, Ant's a force, but Zubats is a wall. I think Ant's 21-9 and nine stat line looks solid, good, but he really didn't have that good of a game because particularly those rim attacks, they were, the, they were what the Wolves' offense was trying to generate, and they were often cumbersome. A lot of the time he would get in by the rim and just kind of have to huck it back out to the perimeter. It wasn't a drive and kick. It was a drive and desperately get it out of his hands. A couple of times that led to turnovers too. The Clippers not only shut down Cat by having Batum on him, but by not having Zubats guard him, they also caught further defensive advantages along the way. And again, the real scary thing here is that this is becoming a blueprint for shutting down the Wolves. I w- I, one, I don't know what the Lakers were doing on Friday, and you know, didn't their whole game plan didn't make sense on a bunch of different levels, but. Going forward, for a lot of these teams, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix just puts Jay Crowder on Cat and then has JaVale McGee, who's been playing for DeAndre Ayton, just have McGee linger in the lane, half-guarding Vanderbilt. You know, same with Sacramento, same with San Antonio as the week goes on. The only way to really break this blueprint is for the Wolves to start swinging the ball and actually making some threes. Force that big to come out of the lane and guard. But if Vanderbilt's going to start, which he's deserving, I mean, Vanderbilt's effort has been great. You know, he's the energy, he's the defense, he's all that. But if he's going to start when he's, I mean, there's that shooting's not going to come. He's not a floor spacer. And then, I mean, so what? You put McDaniels or Prince out there, power forward for the spacing? Well, then, yeah, the, the defense and the rebounding just falls off. I mean, it's a blueprint by the opponent that takes advantage of both Cat and this broken roster. I mean, kudos to Ty Lu for being bold enough to go with it. And he really has, he really dominated this chess game three straight times against the Wolves. All right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's tough to uh, pick a forgotten star from this very dismal Wolves game, but I'm going to, I'm going to make Jaden McDaniels tonight's forgotten star presented by forgotten star brewery. Uh, McDaniels, he's going to be the forgotten star because I don't want to forget uh, that this was easily his most aggressive offensive game of the season. Again, he was often the guy being disregarded by Zubats in the Clippers' defensive scheme, and McDaniels tried to attack it. It wasn't an efficient shooting performance. He was 4 of 11 from 2, 1 of 3 from 3. But it's the 14 shots that stand out to me, right? Like, McDaniels, McDaniels was only averaging 5 shots per game coming into tonight. Like, 2.5 twos, 2.5 threes a game. I mean, tonight he had 11 twos. That's a 
a major uptick. What we also saw was McDaniels, you know, get to the free throw line a little bit. The It's funny, if you look at the box score, the entire Clippers team got to the line nine times in the game. McDaniels got there six times just by himself. Six free throws tonight by McDaniels tripled, if I'm doing that right, tripled his free throw total on the season. I mean, coming into, coming into tonight, through 11 games, McDaniels had only taken three total free throws. He's now taken nine. He's the forgotten star of tonight's game because it was it was <laughs> seemingly like he had forgotten how to do that. I think, I don't know. I don't know if this is a bright spot or what it is, but if McDaniels begins to kind of like turn the worm here offensively, I'll mark down tonight as the game he began to be a little bit more aggressive moving in that direction. As always, if you're looking for a brewery, check out Forgotten Star and Fridley. I know it's snowing now, but they do have a whole big heated setup outside too. And as always, it's a dollar off beers. If when you go up to purchase one at the, the counter, if you mention this podcast, dollar off your pint. Forgotten Star Brewery opens seven days a week at noon. Uh, before I before I get to my awful cold streak in prize picks, I want to briefly hit on Monday's matchup against Phoenix. I watched the Suns play the Grizzlies on Friday and I have a few quick takeaways to note from that that I think are just, you know, the basics kind of going into uh, going into this game Monday against the Suns. And one is that DeAndre Ayton has not been playing for them recently with a right leg contusion. That Memphis game on Friday was the fourth straight game he's missed, and he's listed as doubtful to play on Sunday against Houston, which means it's been JaVale McGee and Frank Kaminsky getting the center minutes in Phoenix right now. And I think that's important for two reasons, right? One, theoretically, that's a far easier defender guarding Cat than Aiton. But as we were just talking about, I'm not sure they won't just put Crowder on Towns and do the whole Zubats thing. We'll see. Um, but two, the Suns are running a ton of pick and rolls this season. I just looked it up. Only Atlanta and Utah are running pick and roll more frequently than the Suns are. So to that end, you know, it's obviously going to be a lot of 5-1 pick and roll. So that's a, you know, that's a lot of usage for McGee and Kaminsky. Even with those two setting the screens, like not exactly great pick and roll players, but in that Memphis game, they just absolutely cooked Stephen Adams and the Grizzlies with pick and roll. Chris Paul just ate up Adams in that drop coverage, which to the wolf on the Wolves' end of it, like leads me to believe we'll see the Wolves back in that super aggressive defensive scheme we saw them in before, really getting out there to trap pick and rolls and get the ball out of the point guard's hand. And I do think that is the move. I think that would be smart. You know, force Chris Paul when he's in that action to drop it off to McGee or Kaminsky on the roll. And if those guys beat you, you know, so be it. You live with it. Oddly, you know, that gives me a little optimism that the Wolves could at least stay in this game with the Suns. Just, I think, Aiton being out is, is pretty important, specifically in this matchup. But at the same time, like, the Suns are just playing great this year, even having missed Aiton for almost half their games. They're 8-3 and three on the season thus far and top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, just like they were last season. I will say, though, it is a road, road back-to-back for Phoenix. Uh, they play in Houston on Sunday and then come up to Minnesota on Monday. That's tough. I don't know. Maybe that will lead to a player resting for Phoenix, too. Again, I'm oddly optimistic about this matchup, particularly particularly if they try and just have McGee or Kaminsky guard cat, and they don't get 
creative with things defensively like we've seen Orlando in Los Angeles recently do. All right, I buried this as long as I could. I'm just doing terrible in prize picks recently. Those of you are, I'm, I'm tweeting out my picks like an hour before every game. And I went, I went 0 for 4 in the Lakers game. And then tonight against the Clippers, I went 1 for 4. I don't know. It's, it's got to be time for a new strategy or something for me. I mean, my God, I'm now under 500. I'm 21, 25, and 1 on the season. Brutal, just brutal, brutal stretch for me recently. Tonight, the only one I got right was Reggie Jackson over 18 and a half points. He scored 18 in the first half alone. Jackson, I my thinking was Jackson killed the Wolves in the first two matchups. And now you got D'Lo back for this game, which, you know, should just lead to even more for Jackson. That was right. Uh, I do have to say, note it, that uh, the defense from D'Lo has been really problematic since he returned from his injury. The activity and effort he was putting in in those those first what five games of the season, you know that it was it was a good step up for D'Lo, and now he's just not. I I don't know what the answer is there, but you can you can watch some of these possessions unfold, and if you isolate on D'Lo, you can kind of just see that is where it breaks down, or that is where it's going to break down. At some point, he's really. I guess the encouraging part is we saw him play better defense at the beginning of the season. He's just got to get back on that track of being okay. The other picks I got wrong were cat over two and a half made threes. I think the logic was pretty simple there, but thought it checked out. Uh, we, we thought, right, that cat would be used on the perimeter to space rather than, you know, backing them down into doubles. They did that. Cat just didn't make any threes. Cat had made three or more threes in nine of the first 11 games. Tonight, he made zero. I also took the over of four and a half free throws made for Paul George. George made six free throws against the Wolves in the first game. He made 13 in the second game against the Wolves. Tonight, he took zero free throws. So I airballed that one as well. And my last miss was taking under on five and a half rebounds for Ant. Uh, His rebounding had kind of been way down recently. And I thought, you know, with Vando starting, there would be fewer opportunities for rebounds there. But nope, Ant led the team in rebounding tonight. He had nine. So my dream of getting you all to sign up for prize picks because I'm so smart and you can just copy my picks and make money, that is not coming true. Uh, Right now, you should really just pick the opposite of what I pick. Seriously, Uh, my winning percentage in November is about the same as the Wolves. Still, if you're thinking, uh, if you've been holding out, uh, wanting to... Sign up for Prize Picks for an extra reason to watch these games. Do try it out. Just download the Prize Picks app, create an account, make sure you use the promo code Dane. They'll give you a $100 sign up bonus when you uh, when you make your first deposit. Again, use that promo code Dane just so you make sure you get that hundred dollar uh, extra hundred bucks in your account. I'm gonna I am gonna get over five back over five hundred this week. Twenty one, twenty five, and one is bad, but I can make that up. That's only four under. Just just gotta get. Got to get back on the home floor. I'm I'm a much better gambler at home. That's that's what I'm thinking. All right, that's about all I got for you tonight. Um, I'll definitely be back after the Suns game on Monday. I'm still trying to figure out when Britt and I are going to record early this week. Maybe we will be recording Monday morning. I'm not I'm not sure. He can't do Tuesday, which is when Britt and I have been doing Tuesdays every week this season. So. We'll do record on Monday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon. 
sometime earlier in the week. But if you're looking for it on Tuesday, like it's been, no, it won't. It won't be coming up at that time. 70 more games left in the season, everybody. A lot, a lot of season left, which is also kind of scary to say. But I will talk to you next week. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.